Welcome to Nashville Savvy. I'm your host. We'll listen to it again. How about <laughs> Hey, that's a good intro song. My friend Ben Kirsch made it for me and I love it. Uh, but welcome to Nashville Savvy. This is Megan Lee at Seedlick with the Pamphleteer. And we're going to jump right into uh, Lately because this morning... As you could still tell, I'm still wearing my jacket. I went to the mayor's media room where he held a conference that was to announce, well, supposedly announce the transit referendum that he wants to put on November's ballot. Uh, When I was there on my way out, somebody stated the obvious that really today's announcement was just an announcement of an announcement. We didn't really get a referendum. (laughs) We got instead the outlines of a planning process in which at the end there will be a referendum, a template for a referendum that will be on the November ballot for you to vote on. Now, this is reminiscent of the 2018 um, transit referendum that Megan Berry, former mayor, brought forward. It's not the same though. This isn't going to look the same. You can already tell that O'Connell has taken a bit of a, he's doing a little bit of, you know, dipping his toe in the water. He's done a little bit of a test of how far, what he could push, what he could get away with. And he's instead taking a practical approach, especially when it comes to making sure that it doesn't, this package doesn't include anything that would outright turn people completely off. And his strategy is very reminiscent of something that Cooper did when he was rolling out the Titan Stadium deal, meaning that he is, whether it be, uh, you know, I don't know how much of this plan he has in mind already laid out. He has been referring to uh, NDOT and the MTA and some of those people as far as what we can see, what would be good things to do in this referendum, what the budget looks like, where the money could possibly come from. And so there is the bones, the skeleton of this transit referendum is already in the works, but now he's appointed two separate committees that are going to look at this over the next six weeks and present different ideas. One of the committees is a technical committee. So it's made up of professionals, people who, are professionals in the area of infrastructure, transit, and such in cities. And then the other committee is a community committee, and it's made up of an appointed board that the mayor came up with. They had their first meeting today. It might still be going on right as we speak. The last I looked about 10 minutes ago, it was still live, where they're taking community input. And this feels a lot like the community input that we got over about the East Bank and we heard from everybody, but in the end, does it really affect the plan? Well, the mayor didn't put out any type of plan. So we're going to see what we're going to see basically in March uh, and whether or not that's actually influenced by people. I think that it it will be simply because this would have to be voted on the ballot by Nashvilleans. So they're probably going to take into account what kind of input they're getting from the people, which whether or not you want this, certainly now is a time to get your voices out there as far as what you'd like to see or what you would not do not want to see. Basically, O'Connell has had this idea for a long time that he really wants there to be committed yearly funding into the transit system here in Nashville. This is what he's wanted even last year when he talked about how during the planning um 
or the uh, what is it? The budget capital budget plan that they have to buy and go after the scraps of the capital budget in order to make efforts in transit initiatives, in upkeep, in the bus system, et cetera, et cetera. He wants there to be dedicated funding to this. He doesn't want to have to go to battle every single year just to fight for transit initiatives. And so that is basically what this plan is. They're calling it TIP, the Transportation and Infrastructure Program. This this, uh, committee, this time, the six-week period where these committees are getting together, they're calling it the choose. What are they calling this? Oh, my goodness. It's all new information to me. And so I'm just trying to make sure that you guys know. They're, they've rolled out basically. Let's see. Let me pull it on up here. They've pulled out something called the choose how you move. That's what they're calling it. And that's these committees that are getting together over the next six weeks. So, yes, it is. It was an announcement that they're going to make an announcement in March. In the in-between time, they're going to be looking at all these options. Now, they're going to be talking about sidewalks. They're going to be talking about bus upkeep. They're going to be talking about things that are way more practical than the Megan Berry dig a tunnel underneath the the city plan and there's apparently not going to be any light rail or at least it didn't sound like that that was of interest in the plan going forward it's just some practical stuff as far as traffic calming signaling safety upkeep of the bus fleets it was very clear that based off the information that the mayor has that he's convinced that this is something that Public transportation is something that people really want. That's what he his the impression I got from him during the entire press conference is that he's looking at data, he's looking at ridership, he's looking at popularity, and he thinks that this is this is something that people really, really want in this city. Of course, we hear voices opposing transit. We hear voices pro-transit. You have this YIMBY versus NIMBY dynamic when it comes to density in cities, walkability, bikeability, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to continue to hear from the loudest voices in Nashville and hopefully also in the communities. He did express that they would try to go to different community board meetings and neighborhood committees and get their input as well. So that's the nothing burger of this uh, transit announcement. I wish I had a more specific plan. I he wouldn't name a, a he wouldn't give a price tag to it. So it it sounds like it's going to be between two and three billion dollars. He definitely said that it's going to be a B, <laughs> but he would not give Steve Cavendish over at the Banner anything else besides that. He is looking into some state funding. There is an impact. The impact. Uh, fee or act that they have can potentially be helpful when funding this transit initiative, also some federal grant matching and such. So there will be multi avenues for revenue when it comes to whatever this plan is. And he wanted to assure everybody that, yes, it's going to have a B at the end of it, but that it's going to be over a 30 year period. He, he, Obviously, he has felt the pressure of people worried about taxes being raised, that this is costing them money and doesn't give them benefit. And you already hear in his rhetoric, 
in his speech that he is weary of that and wants to clarify that this is a long-term plan. So we'll see what happens with this. It's it's already been interesting online and it's already been interesting amongst the press where this is going to land and if it's going to land. Now, he did take a jab. He took a couple jabs at Megan Barry simply because it some of her plan, he, in his mind, it did not answer the actual desires of the public that it was kind of this pie in the sky but he also mirrored megan barry because he really impressed that this isn't urgent this is probably our last chance to to establish this you know there are all these we are one of 10 major cities that still doesn't have dedicated funding to transit and this is the time if we're going to do it we have to do it now so he is instilling some of that urgency already it's a tactic it's also in his mind may be very true. So that's that's that. On the state level, I have seen interesting bills. For instance, people have wondered if this will be supplemented with any sales tax or something like that here locally. And I've seen a bill at the state level that would allow municipalities to create certain sales tax and such. And I wonder if it has any connection to these conversations that he's had with the people up at our state legislature. So we're going to find out more as this unravels. The next thing I want to talk about uh, in lately really quick is just a few bills that I, I brought up this week that I think are flying under the radar, but might deserve a second look. One of them being a bill that mirrors a lot of the zoning that we were seeing in Nashville, but this would be a statewide bill. Let me pull it up real quick. Apparently, I'm just all over the place. I I jumped from one thing to another, and here I am. Let me see. So this bill put together by honestly, the it it doesn't seem nefarious as much as it seems like a band-aid on a bullet wound. We have affordable housing issues. It's a it's a crisis of affordable housing. Why that is, you can extrapolate the information and you can come up with a thousand different reasons why we have this affordable housing crisis. But this bill that's coming up by uh, Senator Elaine Davis and I'm sorry, she's the Representative Davis and Senator Briggs would actually create a requirement for metro governments and other local governments to adopt for at least four they're calling them housing strategies, but when you look at these, they are zoning strategies for affordable housing. They are ways to increase density, to decrease the amount of zoning in the zoning bills, in the zoning parameters, how large a space has to be for a single unit, dwelling unit. It encourages things like tiny homes, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes. I didn't even know there was a fourplex. So it's all of these types of affordable housing initiatives that obviously would create more of these smaller dwelling units, more density. And that's an interesting bill. It would require it for all of these municipalities to include these four strategies in their zoning. Why it would have to come from the state level? Well, clearly, two, these two sponsors are from Knoxville. It must be an issue in Knoxville. It's something that they are trying to address because their constituents are bringing it up. But again, the question remains, should that come from a state level? 
should it come from some this type of larger overreach? overreach or should it be a local decision about zoning plans here in Nashville? We're seeing the local decisions about zoning plans. And that is because we have a very specific council. They have very specific initiatives. They want the city to look and function in a certain way. And so they are incentivizing zoning changes that would bring forth certain things. They talk about affordability. They talk about, um, gentrification they're trying to do different things with the policy making they're they're socially engineering at the same time as they're rezoning the area and that's what we've been seeing here in nashville but we should really pay attention to that bill of of course i've talked about the autopsy bill that keeps coming back this was one that was brought up during the special session it would make changes to the ability to release certain information from the local um the local government that there's an autopsy. So it's not going to change anything right now. It's not in public view to see the autopsies done at the state level and stuff like that. And it's not in the public domain for those types of um, investigations, but on the local level, on the County level, some of that information is available to be requested for public view. And so we saw that bill actually die during special session, but it's back and we're still trying to figure out why, why would it come back? We found out after the special session that none of the victims in covenants pictures got released, even though they said if they did not pass this bill, the media was going to release the pictures. We found out that in the law as it is, that can't happen. Even the autopsies can't be released without redacted names. So that's actually not a worry. So why would the autopsy bill come back? Still asking that question, still don't have an answer. Also, there's a couple anti-sunshine laws. There, There's probably a reason that has to do with these conversations that happen on a local level behind some of these bills. But one of the bills is actually uh, about mayors and them not being exempt from Open Meetings Act, which is like the sunshine law, when it comes to certain meetings, specifically a meeting that's just, uh, you know, it's just the mayor getting together with a nonprofit or the mayor getting together with a couple people who are giving him input on policy and other things like just giving him advice that those are not subject to the sunshine laws. You can't just request that information. I'm assuming this has to do with, you know, if every time you get together with a group of a few people, is that subject to the open meetings act? And so they want to codify against that. I find that laws trying to, quash transparency are never good. So I am against anything that is not for, I mean, we have enough of a hard time over here as a local media outlet to get information, even through FOIA, simply because if you don't know exactly what you're looking for, it's hard to get any of those, that information. So I don't really understand this, but mirroring that sentiment, there's another bill that would also exempt the Tourist Development Commission from releasing certain sensitive information for up to 10 years. And so what is sensitive information? Well, apparently 
the commissioner and the attorney general can just agree that this information would be too sensitive to release to the public and they could lock it up for five to 10 years. And that's just another interesting um, anti-sunshine bill that we've seen come up. But now we're going to go into something more fun and not just scatterbrained. Sorry that I'm a little bit all over the place, but we're going to go into our local corner. Oh, my goodness. So Laura Loomer, who some call uh, some refer to as an investigative journalist. She has run for office in Florida. She also can come off as a shock jock pro-Trump activist. She called out our very own Senator Frank nicely this week. And when I say call out, she went on Twitter (laughs) calling nicely a... uh, anti-Trump rhino because of this bill that she says would ban presidential electors from the state of Tennessee for casting a vote for from casting a vote in any presidential or vice presidential candidate whose eligibility of office is in question or in doubt at the time of the vote. She claims that basically this was put forward to ban President Trump from the ballot and that it had to be removed immediately The bill was, this is what she says, the bill was introduced by a Republican as communist secretaries of state across the country are trying to remove Donald Trump from the ballot. Well, I'm going to also pull up another bill that our friend uh, in the legislature, Frank, nicely put up last year. This was a bill where he actually wanted to rename a state or a street in uh, Nashville, President Donald Trump Boulevard. This man is not an anti-Trumper. In fact, both of the gentlemen on this bill, Bud Halsey, who is the rep, and Senator Nicely, are pro-Trump guys. And it sounds to me, based off of some of the replies and some of the information I've got from speaking to people who are around Nicely, that this bill, he, it wasn't actually his bill. It was Halsey's bill originally. And the intent of this bill was to prevent people who were not U.S. citizens from being able to be on a ballot. It's really aimed, if we're going to go backwards in time, remembering, you know, the questions about Barack Obama and his citizenship. And even, I mean, there was also some conversation about maybe this would be about Nikki Haley and her citizenship. It was really to, this was the intent of the bill was apparently to make sure that, it was it's only U.S. citizens who end up on the ballot for election. But that didn't stop Loomer, who, again, not to go out full attack against Loomer, but she does claim to be an investigative journalist. It only takes a quick Google search to see how the left think about someone like Frank Nicely, who is very pro-gun, pro-agriculture, Pro um, liberty, individual liberties in the state, and clearly pro Trump. That being said, nicely has retracted the bill. So Loomer can take her victory lap. They pulled the bill saying that if there is any language in it that by unintended, for unintended reasons, would put into question whether or not 
Trump would be on the actual ballot, then they just want to pull it anyways. And so he pulled it. Um, and so there's Loomer's victory lap. She did go on a local radio story, store, uh, show yesterday, Michael Patrick Leahy's Tennessee Star Report. She was on there and chatted with him. But I thought it was laughable. Honestly, when I saw her claiming this nicely as anti-Trump, he he ticked off so many people by trying to name a road President Donald Trump Boulevard last year. And I was just like, man, it's a doggy dog. People are eating their own out here in this very weird, paranoid political um state that we're in going into this 2024 presidential election. So fun times. Thank you, Laura Loomer, for dipping your toe into Tennessee politics. And um, we're just going to go and wrap this up with Metro Mayhem, which today is not Metro. It's national. Metro Mayhem. So uh, immediately, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I was actually watching a bunch of documentaries about ancient Rome <laughs> and eating some um, some chips and queso from my local Mexican restaurant. But I did at the very, very end happen to be scrolling on Instagram and saw that t- post that was put up by President um, Biden's camp with the red eyes. At first, I thought it was some type of joke post. I didn't think it was his actual account. I thought it might be one of those like joke accounts. And then I realized like, no, this is the official account (laughs) that this picture is up there. And this is, I just wanted to talk about this, not because I know everybody's talked about it, but I want to talk about the messaging here because this is a obvious messaging strategy and, and you can call it savvy and you could call it uncouth. You could call it demonic. But of course, if you call it demonic, they're going to call you crazy, which is exactly the point of this type of messaging. I think it's very odd for a sitting president to release this like weird, odd joke with the beady eyes saying that he joking that he fixed the Super Bowl. I think that's weird. I think it's weird for the leader of the free world to post something like that. But it also gives me the sense of, okay, who's running his accounts? And it sounds like the Gen Z um, interns are, they also launched, I think, a TikTok called Dark Brandon, which is also hilarious. But the messaging ploy is this, if you're going to call it out, or you're going to say it's uncouth, or you're going to say that it's demonic, they're going to call you crazy. They're going to take that subsect of their opposition, what they consider the mega Republicans and the far right, and they're going to slowly but surely make them see seem like everything that they're seeing unfold, that they're just crazy, kooky conspiracy theorists. This is a strategy, and it's, it is a smart strategy, but you do not have to consent to this strategy. I don't actually think that that hit the way that maybe they thought it would. I felt like it just was giving my interns are running my campaign vibes. I didn't feel like it was giving, I'm actually a a competent leader who has let us out of COVID into, you know, a new economic prosperity, like he's trying to tout. So that was, I would, I don't want to show the picture. So Geneva asked me like, 
oh, did you just forget to send me the, no, I didn't forget. I don't like it. I don't like the picture. <laughs> so we're not showing the picture today, but I did want to wrap it up on, you know, we usually have a local Metro mayhem, but that was a little bit of a national mayhem. So thank you guys for tuning in. I will see you next week. Hopefully we'll have a little bit more insight into what's happening at the Hill. Of course, if you haven't noticed Mark Green has, is not going to rerun for his congressional seat, but has hinted that he's going to pursue a different way to lead, which we don't really know what that means yet, though. There are rumors going around about that. So we'll catch up on all those things. Make sure to keep an eye on our Twitter. We, we obviously update things as often as we can, but also subscribe for free to our daily newsletter at thepamphleteer.co. We appreciate you guys so much. We appreciate that you pay to attention to local politics. I'll see you next week.